welcome to another edition of Practitioner Radio, Pink Elephant's podcast for the IT management community. Welcome to Practitioner Radio, Pink Elephant's podcast for the IT service management community. This is episode 24, the fastest 30 minutes in ITSM audio. Just back from a whirlwind tour in Sweden, I was. How are you, Troy? I'm doing great, Chris. I'm glad to see you back safely. Thank you very much. Troy, I'm sitting there. I'm getting ready to go on stage, and a gentleman walks up to me. I'm thinking he's going to say, hey, I love the Twitter. I love the stuff. And no, no, <laughs> of course, what he says to me is, oh, you and Troy. I can't even do a good – Swedish accent is a, is a really just good American English. You and Troy are, are my favorite. I'm like, wow, I, I can't escape you, Troy. <laughs> yeah, I haunt you everywhere. Uh, worst things could happen, Chris. Yeah, the worst things could happen. So, speaking of worst things, conjoined twins, you ever seen them? You know, I was getting ready for the show and I I hit um, Google and yeah, there's some interesting things out there on, on the net. Yes, conjoined twins. Basically, two heads sharing the same body or two people connected. Yeah, connected. And, and, and they sometimes, you know, it's symbiotic and they, they share some of the same organs and it's a very interesting process uh, how that happens and 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 what a blessing and and the interesting challenges that 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 sort of thing can present itil though itil has such an analogy doesn't it yes indeed in fact uh we were talking i thought this would be a really good session on talking about the nature of availability and problem management and how they really can share components of the anatomy and process in fact um Recently, I was talking with a client, and they have an availability process, and problem management is just a subcomponent of availability for them. That's heresy. I know, but hey, it works. That's the thing. Yeah, that's the thing now, and that's the part no one likes to hear. So we've talked about this. We've talked about pieces of this in the past. We've talked about uh, availability management on, I think, episode 11. I'm cheating, as you know. And episode 10, we did availability also. Uh, but you've got a blog, and much stuff we're going to reference in the show notes. But problem itself being separate and, you know, being its own little process and team of folks and, and discipline. But as you just mentioned, this this organization that actually has it as a component of availability. Let's get a base understanding for those folks who might have missed the earlier episodes when we talked about problem and availability. So in general, I'm going to use the layman's definitions here. Yep. Problem management is trying to identify weak or unstable systemic issues in the production environment which is causing unavailability, service outage. And you're doing some smart things, some analysis, some proactive stuff to try to figure out where that possibly can be happening to eliminate those over time and achieve the ultimate goal of improved service availability. Notice the word availability coming up like a half a dozen times there. Yep, yep. Right? Availability management in the ITIL lifecycle happens earlier in the lifecycle in design as a first component. And that's true because you're building for availability. You're building for supportability, serviceability, you know, production readiness. Uh, you're ensuring that the attributes of a new service will meet the requirements as defined in you know, the service design package. 
And so there's a design component of this to make sure we actually achieve availability upon design. But then when you're in production, there's, a, there's an operational part of the process too, where you're measuring availability and you're doing something about aspects of unavailability, feeding it back into problem management. So you can't get away from this cycle here. Well, yeah, I mean, you just you just use the word availability in four, I think I counted four separate scenarios. Yeah, it's all about availability. In fact, hmm. uh, we have one major client, uh, Canadian Bank, that's well known in the ITIL industry. That in call, They called their entire service management office the availability management office hmm. because that's a word that actually resounds and makes sense to the business. All right, you're you're working on availability. That's good. Uh, that's much more compelling than saying I'm working on service management. Oh, that we you mean I'd be remiss in in, in not mentioning that we talked about the the service management office recently too. Yeah. So in this case, an organization has created a kind of a permanent function focused on service management, but they called it the availability management group. Well, that makes more sense. I mean, in in some ways, because as a as a layman myself, I mean. If I didn't know folks and organizations and books and frame availability, I mean, I, I, the department named that. I, I understand what they do, one hundred percent. Yeah, and and that's you know, that's not. Uh, it doesn't line up with exactly how I to look at things, but that doesn't no. matter. That's not the goal, right? It's a very customer centric name, though. In fact, you could say all of service management is really about establishing and ensuring availability because that's what we're there as partners to do. Right. When it, you know, I gosh. I, you know, we, we don't plan these chats out, but it kind of takes me back into our, our channels of demand. Um, and you know, when you're when you're planning your service design and 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 looking at availability, you know, somewhere in there you've got the demand fee. But let's not go there. Let's not go there. So <laughs> when you when you define problem for layman, you mentioned making sure that you're proactively looking for things that could disrupt the availability to an organization. Yeah, that's the proactive piece. That's that. That is the the proactive piece. Most organizations never get there, though. Why? Well, it's it's kind of what I lay out in that uh, link you'll you link to about the kind of implementation roadmap for problem management. We start problem management looking at major outages first, mm-hmm. right? It's that major incident that's occurred of a business critical service, and it's so embarrassing. The business executives have called the IT executives, and you know, it's all coming downstream at you, right? So. We get a war room together and we solve this thing, but then we want to make sure it never happens again. So we get a root cause analysis meeting going and saying, okay, what happened? Why did it happen? What's what's the impact on this? And then we're going to write this up, make 10 people promise they'll never do these X things again. <laughs> and uh, we'll pass that out to the executives that were concerned and we call it a day. And that becomes, for most organizations, the full scope of their problem process. It only executes when major things happen and they've got to figure out why and promise never to do it again. And that and that's reactive problem management. So that's the extent. It, we do many assessments, as you know, Chris, and, and that's probably nine out of 10 times if we're going to assess problem management, the full extent of the process. But there's much more than that. Well, online, I see a lot of vendors, the actual tweet out after an outage, uh, kind of their post-mortem. I don't even know if that's in a correct term to use. It always kind of creeps me out when people use that word. Well, to talk about it, I mean, it's data. I mean, come on, post-mortem. But, you know, it shows what happened and what exactly was to blame. and Victim impact statements created. 
Yeah, but, you know, rarely does it ever go much farther than what steps they're doing to... Well, sometimes they do say what steps they're doing to try to make sure it doesn't happen again. When it comes to the proactive piece, as far as the availability is concerned, I, 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 the more I get into data, the more I'm just loving data. Data for data's sake. I'm, I'm becoming a report junkie in some ways. But where would you even start to look? Okay, so this is one of the reasons why I'm going to be advocating availability is a better uh, place for this. Right. First, you never get beyond this reactive crisis kind of mode until you step back and start looking for data. Right. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. And and when you're matching up incident and problem management as kind of a combination for process ownership, right. you always get pulled back into the firefighting and you're never given that time to kind of step back. Well, the data, what you're going to look for, of course, the ideal data, if you have consistent incident data, is looking for trends. Like, show me a report of the top 10 incident categories within the top 10 business units and you're looking for patterns of of repeatability, right? Or repeat incidents. And you're going to use a Pareto analysis concept here that says, you know, if I can knock off 20% of the biggest issues, it's going to impact 80% of my service unavailability. So that's this concept of looking at the data from the incident. And if we're not capturing incident data right, or it's, you know, largely bypassing the service desk and it's simply being done, whatever being captured, well, then how do you get the data? Because that talks to a dependency on you know a relatively mature process for incident management. Well, what you can also do, I'm sure you've been in these meetings. I call them water cooler meetings. So you're you're talking, you're having a business or an IT meeting for the service desk, and at the end of each day or the morning, you're having a handover meeting. You talk, okay, what what are the big issues? What have I seen before? What have I heard before? So even if it's not quantitative, you can still get qualitative impression of. Of there's a problem here. We need to look into this. You know, uh, recently I was reading someone was talking about a, a adaptive case management. Um, I think you might even have brought it up too uh, a few times. I think Charlie Betts was talking about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's at a conference right now where I guess there are all sorts of things going on. Uh, but that's where when someone's listening to this, they're in the future, so they don't know. It's weird that we're talking to people in the future, isn't it? <laughs> but going back, if, if I can just kind of get a little myopic for a moment. You talked about the data and looking for these trends and uh, patterns, which, you know, I, I have this great title in Director Rapafenia, which is all about patterns and, and trends. But it coming from incident data, are there other places you've seen yes. in working with organizations? Yeah, absolutely. So incident data is one. Yeah. So another major source, I think we referred to this in the, um, the last podcast on availability management, most organizations will have an unavailability report. Mm. Right. Mm. Uh, it's something they run every month to see what the uptime of their key applications are, and if they are service oriented, then they've you know aggregated that up to business outcomes slash services, and they generate this because it shows whether they've met obligations or not, or whether their vendors have done so. But most organizations just take the report right and say, "Here's what we've done or not done." Move the penalties around as necessary, and then they and they toss that report and they run it next month. Well, this report of unavailability or uptime, depending on how you want to look at that question, right. uh, is a source of data about yeah. unstable environmental elements. So you're, you know what the least you should be doing is taking that report and feeding it into some kind of problem analysis uh, activity. Yeah, so I'm starting to see these conjoined twins now because the uptime report 
which is, you know, depending on how it's spun is how amazing we are. Uh, but you could look at it the exact opposite way. Um, the uptime report is actually the, the, some of the data you could use in your proactive problem management. Well, let's say we, we pick up the last three months of that same report yeah. and we look for trends in that report, you know, in the last three months. We can literally see patterns even with that document, let alone the incident data we talked about. Another point, uh, you know, because we can think about problems coming up from major incidents. We talked about that. We can talk about trending on priority two, three, fours for patterns there. We talked about this availability report. But what about this concept of um, a bulletin is published by one of your external vendors on a non or known vulnerability? We have a known error in this case, mm-hmm. one that may not have impacted you yet. Mm. Right. So we can do some analysis to see if this published vulnerability, known error, coming from our vendor, uh, actually has an implication on our organization even before a problem has actually occurred. Mm. So that's a source for problem management and availability as well. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to stretch, I'm going to reach, I'm gonna, and I'm, I always overreach. But could you also look at change requests and demand as a source of predictive problem by not meeting needs or... I think I know. Yeah, you yeah. think you, you you know where I'm going. I can go where you're going. Yeah, 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 yeah. I felt the psychic connection, Troy, right there. I just <laughs> zoom, <laughs> zoom. That's very scary to practice. Zingo, as, a, yeah. as our yeah, right. Okay, so let's talk about this. A lot of the sources of outages have nothing to do with technical failure, right? That's that's obvious, and we can demonstrate that through various analyst type reports. In fact, they say 80% of outages are not technical. It's not blue screen of death we're talking about. Mm-mm. So where does it come from? comes from human error or process issues, mm. right? So let's say I ran a change report that says, show me all the unsuccessful changes by application or service um, by group. And I could literally start to pinpoint problem areas of people and development type tasks where I'm getting problem problems reoccurring causing instability in my environment, causing outage. So change, those, those change reports you're mentioning could help us find proactively problems in the process, the other areas other than the out, just drop dead uptime report. This is more the the human element. If I fix the release and software development lifecycle project management components of the web services group, I might thus eliminate 30% of my existing outages. Wow. So I almost picture uh, Rumor Trivial Pursuit. Did you guys have that in Canada? Of course. Well, I, we, have our, we, we have our own Canadian uh, version uh, of Trivial I, Pursuit. Of course, that's what I mean. I mean, you know, <laughs> well, I'm American, so I have to sound like you guys don't. Whenever I go to Europe, I go, do you, you, know, do you have water here? And they're like, well, of course you guys didn't invent it. Um, but in Trivial Pursuit, you had that little teeny game piece, and you put the little pie pieces inside it. And, and as you're mentioning, all these places were getting data for this, this proactive problem. I'm seeing these little pie pieces going in that literally you could say... You almost need, you know, two separate people. I, mean, I shouldn't put resources on it. But I could see someone's entire job, you know, you've got the people who are really into the incident and, you know, reactive problem. But someone who's very forward-thinking, who has a tight relationship with the business relationship manager, I might add. <laughs> That's the job you always want to have, I know. Well, of course, I have to drop that into every show. Who, who then just takes all of these pieces and really is almost like, another reference, and the oracle. You know, would that have happened if you didn't, if I didn't offer you a cookie, Neo? Well, nothing happens without cause, right? This is the Mm. sense of cause and effect. If there's Mm. an effect, there has to be a cause. Mm. Some tree has fallen in the woods. Mm. Did it make a sound or not? It Mm. it did make an outage, so 
what was the cause? That's a problem. And if I can get to that cause and eliminate it or reduce it, I've improved availability. So net-net, we have a lot of different sources we can look for information to understand problems in the future. Like you were talking about vendors, we were talking about things and, and ch- changes that failed. We were talking about up, uptime reports. We were talking about the traditional stuff, trending and incidents. Uh, there, there are, I mean... A lot of ways, just in this podcast, we talked about that people might not have been looking at it before. But yet, it's one of the least mature processes. Why? It's because we are so down in the weeds, firefighting, stuck in the mud. We very rarely ever step back and look at all these sources of data for what they're telling us. Uh, It's not a question of knowing what to do or having the data, as we just pointed out. It's the question of taking the discipline and doing it. Uh, And that's why I normally advocate you don't or shouldn't basically put problem and incident together because while they don't contradict as objectives, incident always drags problem down. It's like it's like when you're in high school and you've got good friends and bad friends. <laughs> incident is the friend you don't want your problem son to have. It's the friend you don't want your kid <laughs> hanging out with, right. Whereas availability is the, the friend that you want your kid hanging out with. With this specific kid, that's true. Right, and maybe service continuity management as well. Uh, there's a there's a trio. You and I should go on tour. <laughs> the practitioner radio tour coming. The to practitioner you. world tour for practitioner. Because uh, I kind of see. I mean, that totally makes sense. I mean, because I I'm going to admit it. I always lumped incident and problem together. It's like they were just you know husband and wife, you know, and which is you know. A, a, but you're right. It, it doesn't make sense to do that. Well, let's let's put it this way. I mean, we share something in common. We both managed service desk at one point in our career, right? Yeah. Um, and I'm not afraid to admit I, I learned a lot of useful things back then. Yeah. But I tried to give my my team time off the phones by saying, okay, go run the top 10 report and go look for some problems. But what happens the moment the call starts coming, you know, start the queue starts backing up or, you know, or we start getting deluged with email? You yank those people off of that proactive task and you get them back on the firefight. Mm. But it never gets the time of day. No. It's kind of mind-blowing. <laughs> like you could talk about triplets here. Right? I mentioned it a moment ago. You could say, we should put problem management, availability management, and IT service continuity together. They're all about proactive, long-term thinking. Say that again? Problem, availability, and even potentially IT service continuity. There's a, a trio of well-connected and, and integrated processes. God, you're going to hurt my head today. But, you know, we're talking about the conjoined twins, not the triplets. Yeah, I, I can't handle that. I mean, I'm just... <laughs> Three heads. No. Yeah, this is uh, a. Yeah, two is good enough. Yeah, this is a reality TV show I can't get into. So we, we've done a really good, I think, deep dive on 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 you know the the more mature side of problem, um, and let's let's kind of spin the the horse around here and focus in a little bit on uh, some of the tasks that. Okay, so we've got it going one way: problem into availability, and and the data. How could availability help us understand, well, the uptime report? Yeah, that's one of them, yeah. What else? Well, availability should establish in the design the business requirements, technical requirements, functional requirements for the new service. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be a trigger for problem analysis. So if something is currently outside of that agreed set of requirements as a production service, one of the questions we're always asking is, when do we raise a problem, right? Yeah. Um, one of the ways we do that is we say, if we see so many incidents of a certain type within a certain... That's the classic example. 
Yeah, that's the classic example. But what if I have a service design package which describes my service, the attributes about that service, and each of those attributes has an expectation around them. This is what the performance of this should be. Uh, this is the uptime requirement for this service. This is the security requirement for this service. If I have evidence that I have a repeat issue that's contradictory to the gold standard described in the service design package, it should be a requirement to raise a problem record. That, that service design package document would have to be pretty darn specific. Think about it as this, you know, the service catalog. You, you're familiar with the service catalog. Yeah, yeah. Right? And the attributes that are described. But remember, this is practitioner radio, so I'm, I'm relearning everything yeah, too. no problem. Yeah. So really a service design package is kind of a form. Think of it like a form. Yeah, yeah. Describing that service. Of course, there's the name and there's the owner, but there's the description. Mm-hmm. But then there's the service continuity, the security, the metrics, the capacity, all of these attributes describing elements of the service, right? That is kind of the before design input into blueprinting. But it also in production means or tells me when I have a non-compliance with that, what's supposed to be true. So I know if there's a change against one of those attributes, it's a service change and I need to get the service owner involved in the approval. Is availability always about... Well, availability is one of the attributes of the service design package. That's where I was going. Right. Problem management would look at all of the attributes and say, do I have non-compliance with any of these? No, I can see why you, you, they are conjoined twins. Does availability in itself or the service design uh, document itself ever take into account... I mean, it almost seems like you know it's available or it's not. At any point, do we ever take in the experience of the service into account as being a problem? And it's not just it's on or off, it's not the way it should be? Well, okay. I mean, I think you're going to go back into your demand channel here. Yeah, that's you're right, I am. You are. It's because you do this to me, Troy. You make me think. The business relationship manager is meeting with their customer at least annually for planning, but hopefully periodically for how's it going, here's their performance uh, targets, here's our SLAs, and here's how we're doing, right? Mm-hmm. And so there's that, I'm giving you information, client, but there's the also, of course, why we're there is to receive new information, new demand, and perception of performance. So if you're having this conversation as a business relationship manager... Perception of performance. Uh, you're having a discussion, and how's it going lately? Do you like what you're getting? And they might say, I hate what I'm getting, and here's the reasons why, A, B, and C. Right. So that could be uh, a trigger for problem management, absolutely. Interesting. Because that business relationship manager will be, of course, embarrassed and horrified with the negativity of the experience of that session, and they're going to want to get their people... Uh, on this issue and see what's really happening. You know, it almost becomes a chicken and egg. Do you design for the experience or do you design for the availability? But it all really needs to start with the demand. But Demand, which builds requirements, which is captured and which is documented in your service design package and portfolio. And you are triggering reoccurring improvement based on all of that. Yeah. It's the reoccurring improvement based on all that that's, I think, really interesting. Which you, which, you, which you can't control what you haven't defined, right? Oh, yeah. No, no. And we've seen that conversation online lately. And I always go back to, no, Troy convinced me it's got to be written down and defined. What is not defined cannot be controlled. What is not controlled cannot be measured. What is not measured cannot be improved is the basic logic. No, and it, it, it's real. And I see this so often, you know, with folks in service management that it's all great. And it's all fun to talk about, but we really don't have much to do until we write it down. Even if we write down one sentence and just get it written down, this is what it is. It's conjecture until that happens. Yeah, it really is. And uh, 
makes me wonder about how much of my uh, professional career I've spent in conjecture. Because I mean, if you look at your blog, your blogs themselves, I mean, they're they're literally a, a manifesto for helping people get this stuff written down, and it kind of makes you wonder. It, you know, I don't want to go into the cultural aspect of this, but is is there some is there something that holds some organizations back from literally just saying, okay, it's it's a bad first attempt, but it's a first attempt. I'm so much into the good, better, best concept, mm. and I'd rather have good than nothing. Yeah, perfect is the enemy of done, or something like that. Yeah, relative or and relativity is also the enemy of agreement and and agreed truth. There's this there's this philosophy, and I'm going to you know, go there a little bit for a moment. No, no, no. I went there. I'm sorry. You're, you can go there yeah, too. There's there's a philosophy that there is no real truth, right? No, no truth is is kind of the modern way of looking at it. It's all relative, mm. uh, and and you may believe that, but when you don't have shared truth as a community, you don't have shared values. And if you don't have, you don't have shared values, you can't expect shared or consistent action. So you have to have as a community, whatever that community is. A charter, uh, a, a a document of understanding. Something that you all can point to. This is truth. For the moment, we agree. This is true. Yeah. I was just listening to something last night where it was talking about, uh, you know, very wise teachers in this practice called mindfulness. Actually, we'll start by speaking to you by saying, I know nothing, which is completely opposite than, you know, writing down this, this is, this is what, you know, we all agree on is the truth. But but the, but, the, but the point of what I was listening to was you have to have room in your knowledge to have a new understanding and you have to look at things with a beginner's eyes and not someone who has all the answers. And perhaps don't assume people mean the same things by the same words that you do unless you, you share the same context. Completely. I, again, just yesterday I was listening to a speaker yesterday. I, I like to run TED Talks in the background while I'm working. I'm kind of weird like that. And this guy said, you know, isn't it amazing that we've got these, you know, brilliant mind with all of these complex things happening in it, but then we take time to take a thought which is so amazingly dynamic and and deep and 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 full of information to translate it into something that we use muscles to articulate out loud into the sound bite that goes to someone else's ear which is hearing it you know noises to get, let it get reabsorbed and how inefficient just speaking is compared to what we're doing inside i can see that yeah. But but to to your point, if if it's not written down, it's conjecture. And at least writing it down, you read it and you're like, okay, I don't have to worry about the intonation and the, and the voice and availability and, and the problem. And oh, it's amazing stuff. So this is where we come to availability and problem. If we, you know, if our goal is to improve availability of the agreed services, right, we have to admit nothing is ever perfect, good, better, best. Right. Uh, continual service improvement should drive problem management and availability together all the time. Well, again, you know, people might ask, where am I getting that data to drive that improvement? And we've covered some pieces of it. I mean, it definitely, we almost need a big data flow map. You know, you ever seen those maps of the, you know, North America that show... Uh, you can do a mind map. Well, I, actually, I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes. Uh, I just saw a map the other day that showed real-time wind in North America. So it's like all these little rakes, you know, you know, three kind of lines scorving to the left or right, but it's kind of like a, a data map of where's it all coming from. Yeah, and you don't have to be right all the time that there is a problem. One of the things I like to do in a problem process mm-hmm. is the first activity is to raise a problem because you have an intuition or there's data that's proving that there is something going on. Uh, but then the second activity is to prove you have a problem so that you can actually close the problem record at that third step, which says whether it's... Uh, you know, truly a problem, continue, or no, 
I thought there was one, but I was mistaken, so I'll close it. But at least you did the action of yeah. investigation. Well, it, it kind of makes me wonder, are you, are, you, are you somehow effective differently if you raise problems more often than you traditionally are? Let's say, you know, today you got your organization has just three or four problems raised through traditional sources. But you actually take time to raise problems, you know, with the quicker, more quickly uh, to only say, okay, it, it's not what it wasn't, and let's just close this and move on. Because that data from just the intuition, like you said, even though it didn't turn out to be something, might help us in the future with our continuous service improvement, maybe? Stretch, reach? Yeah. Stretch, reach? No, no, no. It's, it's there. Uh, I think you even mentioned the complaint process in the past, right? Do you have a complaint process? I try to stay away from all that feedback and engagement stuff because it sounds too much like social media and I like to avoid it. Well, <laughs> I think you have to have a process for managing complaints. Well, you might think a you know a portion of your people are grumpy and that they don't you know they should be thankful for what they do receive. Yes, but you they have should. To, you should be receiving those complaints and recording them and analyzing whether you know there's something there and you need to go deeper. Nice a complaint management process, feeding problem management, feeding availability, and it's just this big cycle. It, it is, and I you know I was when I was in Sweden, I was talking about. Two, two things that I like to, that I see social doing. And one of them is feedback management. There you go. And the other one is, is engagement management. The feedback engagement. That's another word for what we've been talking about. Yeah. And those two, you know, when you look at all these lower, lower levels of people complaining about different things on all these social networks, you know, are we, are we harvesting all that crazy data? Oh, well. Troy? It's that time again, isn't it? It's time for Troy's Thunderbolt Tip of the Day! All right, Chris, remember, when you're making decisions about process ownership combinations, consider strongly pairing problem and availability management together. They are symbiotic, conjoined. They're just good together. They're like pea, peas and carrots. Peas and carrots. All right, this has been uh, Chris and Troy for Practitioner Radio, episode 24. Thanks so much, everyone, and keep listening, and thank you for all the feedback. It's how we continuously improve. Thanks, Troy. Take care. Bye-bye. 